Welcome, this is One Hour of Sunshine, and I'm your host, Megan Joy Haverda. We are filming out of the sandbox in Santa Barbara, California, a co-working hub for entrepreneurs and change makers. This show is for business leaders that are willing to finally admit that they use their intuition to make business decisions and to navigate their lives. Imagine LinkedIn listing intuition as a skill someday. This show will elevate and normalize intuitive skills in the workplace and allow such skills to be seen as great assets to companies, organizations, communities, and families. Our guests today are Carolyn Anderson and Katherine Roski, partners mm -hmm. of Living Co-Creation, which is a business. They are the original cultural creatives, founders of a thriving sustainable community in New Mexico and longtime dear friends of mine. Stay tuned for their story. Every show we share an intuition of the day. Sometimes the intuition of the day percolates a few days prior to the show or in my dream time, or sometimes it pops up in the morning right before the show. Today's intuition to share with the audience was about knowing the history and timeline of a person, a business, a theme, an idea, before jumping to conclusions or thinking that you mentally understand. A dear friend of mine always says, context, what's the context, Meg? Granted, he's a writer, but the point is well taken. Catherine, one of our guests, and I were laughing about all the social media required nowadays to stay current and engaged with the world. Oftentimes, I feel like social media skips over context and just gets to the beauty or horror of something. The immediate gratification and adrenaline rush culture that we now have is a result of this. So I'm very excited that I've known these ladies for so long and we have so much context together for our juicy conversation today. Uh, but I want to encourage our audience to seek context and the real story, the whole story, before jumping to conclusions or taking a position. We will have a much more peaceful world if we can all do that. Mm -hmm. So I'd like to introduce Carolyn Anderson and Katherine Roski. Welcome. Thanks, Megan. Thanks. Here. <laughs> we have Catherine out in New Mexico, and we have Carolyn in Northern California. Thank you, ladies, for doing a remote show today. Mm -hmm. We first met at Hummingbird Ranch, a sustainable community high in the Sangre de Cristo Mountains in Northern New Mexico in 2003. I was moving to California from Washington, D.C., and through my international development work, I had lived in Oroville, which is in India, the most developed and functional sustainable community and international township in the world. It turns out that Catherine and Carolyn had been there too, many times now. I became intrigued with the sustainable community development in general and was determined to understand why America did such a poor job at community mm. planning and resource management. And I was only 28 years old when all of this came to me and all of this experience and imagery and understanding about sustainability and about community living. The work of Carolyn and Catherine and everyone at Hummingbird taught me so much and led me towards a path of conscious business development to solve social and environmental issues like waste, energy, water security, and more. Granted, we're, we're still working on it all, <laughs> but it has mm -hmm. been my, my life's work. So thank you both for all the inspiration. Really a gift to the community. 
Yeah. Oh, thank you, Mama Cat. Um, and I, I want to just call in a, a few other entities that are really important to all of us. Um, they're with us here today, and that is Global Family, which we will hear more about. Certainly, Hummingbird Transformational Living Center, Living Co-Creation, your current business, and Catherine's many, 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 many children and grandchildren. <laughs> there are like thousands of them, uh, many of whom have soared to recognition as writers, public speakers, musicians, authors, community advocates, and more. Carolyn also has a few, but Catherine has exceeded her by <laughs> tens of thousands. So. <laughs> as wise elders, mothers, and businesswomen, can you each tell us about the moment in your life when you deciphered the difference between ego and intuition and what you have to share with the audience about that? Well, I'll go first. Um, you know, when I was reflecting on this, for me, it was more like a chapter or an era when I felt like my intuition really became more predominant in my life. Yeah. And uh, I was in my early 20s, and the most uh, significant moment for me was in revealing that my husband, Makasha, and I were to get married. And just a short little backstory is that we had been working together for um, three years, doing international festivals and very close friendship, but never really imagined that we would be husband and wife together. And then I did a three-month uh, meditation retreat, Vipassana retreat, and got quiet enough and probably clear and empty and really asking to be guided. And uh, it came through quite clearly, um, like a message from my spirit that we were to get married together, that we had a destiny. And it was one of those moments of like, really? Wow. That <laughs> never and then when you know it's not ego, when you're like, oh my goodness, really? That's <laughs> yeah. so true. And what an amazing yeah. long marriage you've had and all the gifts you've brought to each other. Thank goodness you listened. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 45 years now. It's oh my pretty amazing. Gosh. <laughs> <laughs> well, Megan, I, I feel like I've always been an intuitive person. I'm, I'm a left-handed, right-brain kind of person. Yeah. But when intuition, when I came to really value my intuition was when I had my first business. I was in my 30s. I, had, I was a color consultant living in the Bay Area when that was just into form. And it was actually a cover for spiritual counseling. <laughs> and the reason I started to really value my intuition is I would be able, as I was selecting people's colors, to talk to them what their colors were telling me. And because I had immediate verification, yeah. they would say to me, how do you know that? How did you get that? And I, I would say, well, it's in your colors. Yeah. So because I had the immediate feedback, it made me really honor my intuition because so many people said that to me. Yeah, that's a beautiful example. You know, one thing we talk about on this show is all the different ways we each perceive our intuition, right? Some people see auras, some people see colors, some people get messages, um, audio message, some people see video, which I do. Some people have prophetic dreams every night, which I do. You know, we all do it a little differently. Um, mm -hmm. And you and I were talking earlier, Carolyn, about there's a difference between ego and intuition and essence. Do you want to talk a little bit about that, share with the audience your view on it? 
Yeah, exactly. Well, uh, Catherine and I have written a book called The Co-Creator's Handbook 2.0, and it lays out a whole system of co-creative practices, which is the work that we do together. And in that book, one of the processes, one of the principles of co-creation is that we can only co-create as our authentic self our essential self, so we distinguish between the ego and the essence, the ego being the personality self and the essence being that part of us which is eternal and is in touch with, well, it, which is the impulse of creation. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, and we have found in co-creation that it's essential to make this shift because only the essential self can co-create. Well, and it's it's been such an honor to, to be in community and in relationship with both of you because you've seen me, I've seen you going in and out of essence, going in and out of uh, personality and, and true divine guidance. And most of the time we're in divine guidance, but we've seen each other fall. You know, we've seen some rougher stuff and that's what makes for a great relationship. Um, how would you describe... Um, how you balance being of service to others. You both tr are tremendous guides and mentors for many, many other people. How do you balance that giving service side of yourselves and the constant self-work and touching base with your own self, your own essence? How do you, how do you go about that? Well, I would say for me that <clears throat> it continues to be a growing edge to... <laughs> to balance that because I tend to be one that is giving out a lot and I'm learning how to um, yeah. take care of myself better you know with four children that I birthed and four children that I became stepmother to and this a growing tribe of grandchildren and great-grandchildren and our community and the projects we've done there's been a lot of um, of energy going outward so I feel like I'm still learning how to bring it in, but I think there's a constant dance of that balance. Yeah, I agree. Um, Carolyn, before you answer that, I just want to add in, I've, I do a lot of work in collaboration with millennials and I watch them like right before burnout and then burnout, right? Because they're so excited to be giving and then they have forgotten to eat or take care of themselves <laughs> or drink water all day or, so, you know, we were all there and um, it's, it's a pleasure to watch this new tribe of leaders learn how to really do self-care in a way that maybe, maybe better than any other generation has before. Yeah, my response to that is really for, for many decades because I have really valued meditation. It's been so nurturing for me yeah. that I've always had a morning practice. And that has been a beautiful balance in my life to have that time alone, that interior time. And also, you know, the work that Catherine and I do is all about building resonance, being in a love field. That in itself, so as we are giving that gift in that field, we're being nurtured by that. Yeah. That's bringing us into center, stabilizing us as our essential selves. So I feel very grateful that the work we do really does. <laughs> it enhances our balance just, just by doing the work itself. Yeah, that is so okay. true. I would just add on to that, that when, you're, when one is really expressing their soul's purpose, you know, what we're here to do, 
and we have a lot of passion about it, then then that also refuels us. I mean, it's fulfilling, yeah. and so we're filled by that, and then we have more energy to give forth. Yeah. Um, I want to say one thing about resonance, and then I want to get back to um, life's purpose and how life's purpose changes as life goes on and um, hear more about Living Co-Creation, your new business, even though it's very related to what you've always done. It's a new creation. So I want to hear about that. But I want to share with the audience what you're talking about when you talk about a resonant field. So there are some places around the world that draw people to it because it's very healing and very nurturing and very heart-centered. Um, Sedona is a great example. There's a vortex there. Um, there is um, an incredible ley line in Kenya that I've actually stood on, a meridian. Very powerful, very, very beautiful. And one of my favorite places on earth happens to be uh, Hummingbird <laughs> Transformational Living Center in New Mexico where we met. and. You literally, when, when I get down the country road, the final turn, it's a 200 person town. I get down this little country road, this little dirt road, and I cross the cattle guard. I can literally feel the waves of energy. And I know I've entered the heart resonant field of hummingbird. Um, I always roll down my windows, no matter if it's zero degrees or <laughs> 98 degrees. And I just take it all in because it envelops you. It's very, very palpable. Mm. Um, and it takes time to cultivate that. It takes energy to maintain that. So I really want to honor and thank you both for keeping that up through good, mm. hard, bad, great, fabulous years. Um, and you're still at it and now creating another generation of leaders there. So mm. thank you. And you know, maybe that's a good transition into telling the audience and, and myself a little bit about living co-creation because you've created so many things in both of your lives. Why this? What is this particular business about? Why now? Well, uh, both Catherine and I have been living co-creative principles for a number of decades. <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, first uh, in, in my life, it was in Barbara Hubbard's campaign for a positive future, then in Global Family in 1986. And Which then we brought it. these principles into Hummingbird Community in um, 1996. But the reason we started this business, which was in December of 2014 with our beloved husbands, because yeah. there are four of us who are partners, is because the model that we teach, uh, which we call the core group process, part of the model is that once you have um, discovered your particular soul's purpose and you have found your perfect partners for your shared destiny, then the next step is to be entrepreneurial, to, to create a business together to support yourselves as you're giving your gifts to the world. Mm -hmm. So really what we're doing is we're modeling the process that we're teaching. Mm -hmm. Great. Catherine, do you want to add and to that? And one of the things that um, is really, that we love in terms of our team and doing this with our hubbies is that it's a really balanced team where all the various skill sets come together to really uh, create a coherent whole. Yeah. So Samford, Carolyn's husband, is a really great um, structure person and also uh, has a great understanding of technology and of accounting and some of those things that for Carolyn and I and Makasha are not really strong qualities. <laughs> <laughs> and Makasha being quite the visionary and also quite a resonant holder and yeah. 
You know, so we each have our different parts to play, and that's what makes for a successful business when all the parts are covered. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about your recent experience in Germany and what is happening with some of the projects of living co-creation so people can really understand when this magic is applied, what happens. Yeah. Well, uh, Sanford and I have a good friend here in Northern California. His name is Arjuna Ardog. He's written a number of books, including The Translucent Revolution. Hmm. And he's familiar with our co-creator's handbook. So he, uh, Arjuna does a lot of work in Germany. And uh, there is a couple over there, Fight and Andrea Lindau, who uh, were going to be coming to this area. So we had breakfast together with Arjuna and uh, Fight expressed interest in bringing us to Germany to share these co-creative practices. He's got a very large um, organization there called Human Trust with an email list of about 150,000 people. He's quite a, a well-known transformational leader in Germany. So he invited us and we went over last fall, the four of us, and uh, we did a um, three and a half day workshop in Hamburg for 300 people wow. and then went to Baden-Baden where they live and uh, we recorded a 21 day telecourse. Oh my so gosh. they have invited us back. <laughs> and of course, in the meantime, um, through Global Family, we have a group of people called ambassadors, and some of them are the Germans that we met last year. Excellent. So we've stayed very much in touch both with Fight and Andrea and with these German ambassadors. So when we go back this time, we'll be going to Hamburg, Cologne, Hanover, and Baden Baden. And uh, basically teaching co-creative practices, but uh, Catherine, maybe we want to share what else we'll be sharing this time. So at the end of our, our workshop last year, Fight said, well, you know, we really enthusiastically want you to return, but we'd also love for you to do a workshop on aging. We've landed on the title of Graceful Aging. Wow. And it's really, um, I think because I'm kind of the youngie, younger one in the <laughs> group, gosh, just turned 80, I think experiencing the uh, enthusiasm, the passion, uh, and vitality of all of us and our devotion to uh, still be of service and being really connected with our own purpose, yeah. that um, he really valued that being shared with his the German population. So we'll be doing also a workshop on graceful aging. That is great. Eldering with purpose, passion, and joy. You know, I'm I'm reminded of being in India at a solar energy conference in 1996 and basically presenting. There were Germans, British, Indians, and I was like the only American and the only woman. <laughs> and the Germans were talking not only about solar, but they were recycling everything, like the staples in the corrugated box, you know, every little thing in 1996. So yeah. I'm yeah. not surprised that they're being thorough about the human life cycle. And I really hope that the work you do there can come back to the U.S. because, you know, I am very, very close to many elders basically and I'm seeing how societally we just don't talk about aging we don't talk about the reality of it and the needs as um, different conditions or circumstances um, play out so good I can't wait to hear how it goes <laughs> yeah. and, Megan it's interesting you know fight told us that because of the system in Germany because of the um, the way the government 
gives pensions to the elderly. Yeah. He said it, it, it does not motivate people. When, when they hit 65, they retire. And he said, you know, he said in a way the system is not working for the yeah. benefit of the creativity of yeah. the people there. Yeah. So. Yeah, that, well, yeah, I just thought that was an interesting. Very, interesting. very, very interesting. And now we see with the cost of living in the U.S. that people can't even live on their pensions. So that's a different issue. And, and it's right. forcing them back out into the workplace, whether they want to yeah. or not. So, mm -hmm. um, well, we've, so we're, we're talking about aging and we're talking about um, basically economic failure in the United States of America. Let's just say it. So what advice would you have, you know, when we're in this perhaps challenging shift in the way Americans do life and do business? What would your advice be to working moms and dads out there? Um, you know, when people say, oh, fight the good fight, well, let's not fight anymore. Let's not have a war on drugs. Let's just <laughs> address things um, at the root. What would you, what would be your advice to our um, up and coming leaders as they raise children and work and thrive? Well, that's quite a, it's a big, a big one. Topic. <laughs> Definitely a big, Makash and I want to do a workshop on uh, parenting as a spiritual practice oh. because we feel that there's, parenting is just such a huge opportunity for uh, our spiritual evolution. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, um, so I think when one can hold it that way and, and then certainly define own, one's own balance and self-care and, yeah. and build community, I think it's so important, uh, especially for single moms who uh, may tend to feel more isolated or moms that are at home and uh, by themselves with the kids. I think community is so essential mm -hmm. so we can share. What we, we counsel with a lot of parents and and even very conscious parents, they can feel quite isolated in the challenges that they're experiencing with their kids because maybe they have an expectation that they should be a certain way. And um, so to really allow them to be, uh, the, for the children, to blossom into the unique individuals that they are. But we need a lot of support. The parents need a lot of support for dealing with the, all the challenges that are present in our society. Yeah. Come together. Yeah, and I've, I've been playing with a little word shift. You know, self-care was a phrase that had been used for some decades. And I've noticed that some people, eh, I don't, eh, self-care, it's too ooey-gooey. Or, you know, strong men in my life, CEO types are like, self-care, that's blah. So I've been <laughs> saying to men, oh, what would be self-respectful for you right now if you're feeling a little down or a little tired? Self-respect mm. for the men. And to the women, I say, what would feel self-loving right now? You know, it's just, <laughs> it's interesting w what each gender uh, relates to verbally. <laughs> That's nice. Well, um, yeah. Megan, you know, this process we teach is, is all about a small group. It's co-creation. It's about flattening the hierarchy, moving from a dominator to a partnership model. Yeah. So I've had the privilege in this lifetime to always be part of a small core group, uh, you know, for decades. And they've been different groups. Yeah. And even today, I'm in many groups. But I just would, I would say, you know, what is it that nourishes parents? Yeah. 
I, I would love to see everyone have their own, let's call it a support group, let's call it an evolutionary group, yeah. but a group where we meet at the heart level with one another, we support one another in discovering and fulfilling our soul's calling. Yeah. And I had just found that to be so nurturing, so supportive, and so evolutionary. It's helped me in my own personal evolution. Yeah. Well, and, and one thing that, um, that you guys have done, whether you focus on it or not in your book or in uh, dialogue, you really immerse yourselves in nature, raw, beautiful, wild nature. And I always crave that, but I see a lot of folks forgetting that we're animals and we are part of nature. And the more we remind ourselves of that and encourage people to get into wild settings, um, I think all of that intuition and essence follows. You know, it's yeah. in the wild nature where we re remember <laughs> what we're about, why we're here. Yeah, well, you know, Megan, that is core to our founding hummingbird here in the beautiful Sangre de Cristo Mountains and the creek running through our property and just uh, very nurturing uh, elemental beings and presence. and. So a lot of the programs that we have here, whether it's rites of passage for teenagers or uh, we tend documented healing group, a, yeah. a healing for undocumented um, beings. And we've had, um, you know, permaculture certification courses and, and uh, CEOs coming out here to do executive retreats. And all of those um, feel so important that we reconnect yeah. or stay very connected yeah. with the wisdom of nature. Yeah, well, it's beautiful what you're doing. Um, and uh, Megan, I think it's also along these lines, it's important to remember that we all live in fields, in invisible energy fields. Yeah. I spent most of my adult life in the San Francisco Bay Area, but now I live in a little area in Nevada City that's more rural. And just the um, being in a different field, being out of the busyness and the cement and the high rises and everything is just so, it's so nurturing. Yeah. Uh, this proximity to nature and just being in a very different field it is um, nurturing. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So every show we end with a call to action, which is always done by the guests. So I'd, I would like both of you to have a call to action for um, our audience. And it can be whatever comes to your mind. Okay, well, I'm happy to. Uh, so one call of action, I would encourage people to buy the handbook, Co-Creators Handbook 2.0. <laughs> and um, this is an experiential guide for discovering your life purpose and birthing a co-creative culture. So the idea, is, because it's experiential, is to call together a couple of your friends or if you're part of a project team at business yep. to use this guidebook to empower yourself. This is all about personal and planetary transformation. Awesome. And, um, so that's my call to action. And Megan, I'll send you the information Perfect. so people will be able to buy the book. Yeah. Thank you. Mm -hmm. well, Megan, you started out uh, the show in terms of the intuition of the day and sharing about context and the importance of not jumping to conclusions. So a call to action would be um, staying in the spirit of curiosity. And I definitely deal with my own um, 
dance with judgments and it's a very active process for me to notice when I'm either in self-judgment or that's being projected out on others and just to keep returning to that playful kind of innocence um, to really uh, claim our innocence and stay in a spirit of curiosity which then allows for a level of bonding so just to take that practice into our into our days and uh, beautiful see what different results it creates beautiful and the last guest actually on this show said don't get down the how hole (laughs) (laughs) which is it cracks me up but you know you said this poetic beautiful thing about curiosity and she was just like don't go down the how hole (laughs) don't don't try to figure out the how sometimes just be with the curiousness or the curiosity of the moment and the presence of the moment you guys are so wonderful you gals are so wonderful Thank you for being on the show today. Thank you for the opportunity. (laughs) Thank you, Megan. And I'd like to give special thanks to the Sandbox of Santa Barbara for having us to film, to Lauren Frise for her creative support, and to Aniracom for their production and marketing expertise. Bye for now. This is Megan Joy Haverda, your host of One Hour of Sunshine. During the next episode, we will be talking about addiction. Don't miss it. We all have a vice. Let's learn how to acknowledge it, seek gentle help, and heal from the inside out. Sunshine YouTube channel, please click here. If you are ready to watch the latest episode, click here. Go ahead, I'm waiting.